This program is designed to provide general information with regards to the subject matters covered. This information is given with the understanding that neither the hosts, guests, sponsors, or station are engaged in rendering any specific and personal medical, financial, legal, counseling, professional service, or any advice. You should seek the services of competent professionals before applying or trying any suggested ideas. Beautiful, bountiful, beloved, immortal beings, and good-looking people. Remember, you're good-looking because you're always looking for and finding the good. And we have good in abundance today, good overflowing. Our cup runneth over with good. You will be amazed at some of the information you're going to hear today. Some of the people are going to be smiling from ear to ear. And you have tuned in consciously and conscientiously today to the Joy of Living with your humble host, Barry Shore, B-A-R-R-Y-S-H-O-R-E. And on this show, you know that the only reason you tuned in, it's the best reason in the world, because you care the most in the entire world about you. And you know that when you listen to and enjoy and internalize the information, transformation of the things on the joy of living, you will be healthier and wealthier. And as Jack Canfield, the author of Chicken Soup for the Soul, said to me, who doesn't want that, Barry? Healthier or wealthier just by listening to you? Yes, that's what happens when you listen to The Joy of Living with your humble host, Barry Shore. And anything you want to know about our guest today, and you want to know a lot, because this fellow is truly amazing, transformational in entertainment. He is Mr. Entertainment. Just you, you'll be laughing from the beginning of the show towards the end and you want more, more, more. Just go to www.barryshore.com. B-A-R-R-Y-S-H-O-R-E. You don't have to write anything down. Don't leave, don't try to remember anything. Just listen. Let the information transformation flow over you and then go to www.barryshore.com and listen again because you're going to love it and even better share this with family and friends at least five people because right now there are 341,617 people around the world who have tuned in to the joy of living because you know that when you do you get better. You become healthier and wealthier. And that's a wonderful thing. Now, in this show, as you know, we deal with the three fundamentals of life. And the three fundamentals are number one, life. Your life has purpose. And when you lead a purpose-driven life, you can go mad. No, in this case, mad is a wonderful acronym because it stands for make a difference. Lead a purpose-driven life and you will go mad. You will make a difference. And the third fundamental is that you can uncover and unlock the secrets and the power of everyday words and terms. Everyday words and terms. Simple example, www. Ask anybody, what does www stand for? And they'll tell you invariably it has something to do with the internet. And factually speaking, they're correct. But in our world, the world of the positive, purposeful, powerful, and pleasant, www stands for, drum roll, fanfare, da-da, da-da, 
What a wonderful world. <laughs> and what is a word, right? W-H-A-T-A. -A. What a wonderful world. And whenever you hear that, the opening bars even of that song, what do you do right away? You smile. You can't help it. Now, smile is one of the most important, powerful, purposeful, pleasant acronyms you could ever internalize, utilize, and leverage in your life. Because smile stands for seeing miracles in life every day. Every day, seeing miracles in life every day. Now, a simple example. We're in the midst of a pandemic. Now, thank God we're going to be through it and things will be not just back to normal. They'll be better than before because there'll be a greater heightened sensitivity of people one to another. But if you understand the ability to see miracles in life every day, you will do the following. You'll say, wait, wait a minute. I just got to tell you a quick story. Before the pandemic, and about a year ago, actually, I was speaking to a group. It must have been about 5,000 people in the audience. And people right away raised their hands and said, but Barry Shore, Barry Shore, I've been up for hours where I haven't seen any miracles. And I asked them, are you here? Can you hear? Can you see? Can you stand? Can you walk? You have water, drink, food to eat, place to sleep, family, friends. Every single one of those is a miracle. And here's the simple proof. A million plus people did not get out of bed this morning. You know why? They died. Well, if you're watching and listening to this, <laughs> guess what? By definition, you didn't. And if you're alive, you can live life exuberantly. Now, as I said, we're in the midst of the pandemic, getting through it, but still there are millions of people that are infirm and can't get out of bed today because of the situation, the COVID or anything else like that. But I trust that 99.99% of everybody watching, you can get out of bed. Now, for those of you who are regulars to the show, and thank God there's over 300,000 people, I'm humbled and honored to say that tune in every single week from around the world, from India, from China, from Africa, Australia, Europe, the United States, Latin America, all over the world. And you're bringing 30, 40, 50,000 people every time to join. Right now, God willing, we'll be there over 50,000 by the end of the show. Uh, you know the story. September 17, 2004, your humble host was standing up in the morning. Imagine this. Standing up in the morning, hale and hearty, able to leave tall buildings in a single bound, and that evening, completely, totally paralyzed. Completely. I was called a quadriplegic. Nothing in my body moved. And it was not for an automobile accident. It was not a spinal injury. It was a rare disease that took over my body and rendered me completely, totally paralyzed. 144 days in a hospital. I was two years in a hospital bed in my own home. I couldn't turn over by myself. I was four years in a wheelchair. You see my hands. They, I have, thank God, they don't look like yours, but they work. And I had braces on both my legs, my hips to my ankles, and that was progress. Thank God today I'm vertical ambulatory using a seven-foot walking wand made for me by a Zen master, but I still can't walk up a stair by myself or a curb. And I have helped 12 hours a day, seven days a week, but you hear my voice. Positive, purposeful, powerful, and pleasant. Why? Because I've learned to see miracles in life every day. I got to tell you a quick story. My eight-year-old niece comes over to me a few weeks ago and says, Uncle Barry, Uncle Barry, can we spell smile, S-M-I-E-L? And I thought about it. I said, smile, 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 the same. Why not? I asked her, how come? She says, because then it would stand for seeing miracles in everyday life. <laughs> Out of the mouth of babes. Isn't that wonderful? Seeing miracles in everyday life or seeing miracles in life every day. 
LB, the real key of that is what was she doing? She was creating the kind of world that she wants to live in. Now, creator is a wonderful acronym that stands for causing rethinking, enabling all to excel. It's the ability to think, to have neuro-linguistic programming, to be able to see the world as miraculous all the time. We all, thank God, have a brain. Your brain is 100 plus billion brain cells and more than 10,000 trillion synapses connecting all of them. And therefore, more than just deciding what kind of latte you want this morning. The ability to create the kind of world you want to live in. Now, I do want to interrupt myself and just warn everybody in advance, those who know the show will know this already, but new people, I do use a lot of four-letter words. And I even use the four-letter F U word. I use it because of the shock value and it's fun. But the four-letter words that we use because we live in a positive, purposeful, powerful, pleasant world are love, live, life, grow, hope, holy, free, pray, play. <laughs> four-letter words. I urge everybody, be a four-letter word user. And the four-letter F U word is fun. Fun, F-U, capital N, capital N. But people say, but Barry Shaw, Barry Shaw, fun's only spelled with three letters. Not in our world, the world of the positive, purposeful, powerful, and pleasant. Fun is spelled F-U, capital N, capital N. So after the show, when you see your family and friends, and you have a twinkle in your eye and a smile on your face, remember what smile stands for, you point your fingers at F-U, everybody. Remember to rad right away, capital N, capital N. So where did you get that? So I listened to Barry Shaw, and the joy of living says, Tell the whole world, go F you, capital N, capital N. Now, before we bring on our amazing, dynamic, wonderful, bountiful, beloved being, I want to urge everybody to do something that's going to make a difference in your life. You're going to add to your life and the life of everybody around you and therefore the entire world. And that is, I'd like you to use the two most powerful words in the English language three times a day. You know what three looks like, okay? Three times a day for the rest of your life. And these two words are, drum roll, fanfare, da-da-da-da. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank stands for to harmonize and network kindness. To harmonize and network kindness. The Dalai Lama has been quoted saying, I read in his writings, be kind whenever possible. And it's always possible, he says. <laughs> now imagine you're going to go back to your coffee shop and you walk in and you're going to order your fancy latte for five and a half dollars. You sit down and someone will bring it to you. You say, thank you. Imagine you walk in the coffee shop, you order your fancy latte, you sit down, a few minutes go by, nobody brings it to you. Then you go up to the counter, they say, oh, I'm sorry, we forgot, we're so busy, we'll bring it to you. A couple more minutes go by and you still say, Thank you. You're walking out of the coffee shop and it's raining out. Somebody holds the door open for you. Thank you. You're walking out of the coffee shop and it's raining out. Somebody slams the door on you. Thank you. You're in traffic. You're late for an appointment. Somebody cuts you off. You say, thank you. You get up in the middle of the night. You stub your toe and it hurts. You say, thank you. To harmonize and network kindness. Kind is a great acronym that stands for Keep inspiring noble deeds. I can't think of somebody that I'd more rather share with you that inspires noble deeds and keeps everybody up and ebullient and wonderfully enthusiastic about life than my dear friend, Michael Mann. Michael, are you there? Can you say a huge hello to 348,000 people around the world? Oh, hello. How do I follow you, Barry? You don't. You just join me and say, let's bring joy to the world. <laughs> it's my pleasure to be with you, Barry. Thank you for the invite. Well, we're here to uh, share with people the uh, the amazing being that is known as Michael Mann. So you yeah. see his name up there. 
But let's just put put everything in perspective here. So you see in front of you a fellow who is Natalie dressed. And that's, Nat, that's not Natalie, but Natalie. And uh, you see a man that has a white hair, a white beard. And the good news is he has white hair all over his head. And he has a white beard. And it wasn't always that way. But he is now celebrating almost 75 years in show business. And if anybody ever remembers the name Ed Sullivan, which probably there's only six people listening, by the way, out of 348,000 even know the name. Remember, we deal with an international audience and most people that listen are under the age of 37. So they they have no idea sometimes. So Google Ed Sullivan. But Michael has been involved in this thing called entertainment and show business since he's five or six years old. So without doing anything more, I don't want to uh, take away from his thunder and let him just drop some names and be involved and, and tell us what it means to do a soft shoe and a little tap dance and be a, a child prodigy in front of the lights, whether they're uh, below the stage or on the stage or above the stage. And, and some of the people that you encountered, and let's say, let's take the first two decades. How's that? Let's start, go decade by decade. Tell us about Michael Mann growing up in New York and uh, being so uh, cherubic that his uh, parents said, well, we've got to get this guy in front of a camera. Okay. So 79 years ago today, which was exactly, if I can count right, 28,835 days ago, <laughs> I arrived on planet Earth. Yay, Michael! We might even sing "Happy Birthday" to him later. But t- today's his birthday, and right. he know he and I both know because he's actually a friend of mine. Uh, spoiler alert: for more than four decades. But my parents were married on February eighth, so I was conceived not long after that. I mean, wow. obviously, the requisite amount of time. But um, <laughs> but he was born on the day my parents stood uh, and exchanged vows. So yes, so you came out. And uh, fully formed. And they said, wow, this is a showbiz star. They came out tap dancing, Barry. (laughs) (laughs) I was born in Brooklyn, New York in 1942 on this date, um, living in Brooklyn. And when I was about five years old, my mother, Bella, rest her soul, uh, decided that I was pretty cute. So she took me, uh, called the Better Business Bureau, and took me into New York to meet a high fashion model agency called the Conover, C-O-N-O-V-E-R, model agency, which is like the Ford Wilhelmina agency now. And in those days, Barry, and everyone listening, um, magazines did not have photographs. They were all illustrated commercials. Wait, wait, what's a magazine? <laughs> right, I forgot the audience. Right, right and only to put it in perspective. So we people talk about e-zines today, but there used to be things, physical items that are called mag. Now there are such things as newsstands. So most everybody knows that I'm only I'm joshing, but I'm not because when this is watched decades or maybe a century from now, people will have to look up somehow or other. <laughs> magazine, okay, yeah. So there were, ma- but magazines didn't even have photographs. You're saying they were illustrated, all illustrated from the Illustrators Guild of New York, and then eventually they became photographed. But if you go back and look at Look or Life for the Saturday Evening Post in the in New Yorker in the '50s and late '40s, all the advertisements were illustrated by artists who became great directors down the road and production managers. And that's where their careers began as artists. So what happened was my mom took me there. They had this high fashion model agency and they had a children's department that was part of the agency. 
and I became one of their um, kids. And I, my first job at five years old with a dear friend of mine named Lorna Gillum, we were five and we modeled uh, on the steps of St. Patty's Cathedral. <laughs> I don't even remember what the product was, but it was my first job that I have conscious memory of. And then what happened was... One second, one second. just to put it in perspective. So his mother, his name is Bella. Now, anybody knows the song, Bella, Bella, Bella. So Bella means beautiful. So Bella saw in Michael, I told you, cherubic and beautiful. So do you... Did you have to get uh, what they call an equity card and anything? Was anything like that existing at the time, or you just you sort of got paid because your mother got paid? Not yet. What happened was there was this new thing coming around two years later called television. Hello out there. Oh, Wait a minute. Let's, let's put it in perspective. Michael was not only born pre-television, he's pre-TV, not pod TV, which is what we're doing now. That's it just right. didn't exist. This is pod TV. He was pre-TV. <laughs> I was and right. and it, it didn't it didn't exist. In other words, it was people knew something was coming, but nobody you couldn't say, oh, by the way, in two years it's gonna be television. <laughs> people sat in front of their radios and listen to shows like Let's Pretend, and it was all imagination. You closed your eyes, you sat by the radio, and listened. And then in 1949, at, at Rockefeller Center, uh, they developed, NBC developed uh, television. That was probably being developed earlier. But um, then they needed um, actors and people, so they needed children. But there was no, there was no um, uh, what's the word, pool of children in New York. The only kids who were working in New York at the time were on Broadway or burlesque or vaudeville. There was no, there was no pool. So they came to the model agency, the kind of a model agency, the kids department, and they asked to see children. And then I saw it. So I had, I did my first television show at seven. <laughs> and it was called we, the people, the preamble to the uh, constitution. And uh, it was a guy named Dan Seymour, who was the host. And it was all about giveaways. Like, you'd have kids and these families that were poor all over the country. It was a prelude to a show you'll probably remember that nobody else will call Strike Queen. It Rich. Strike it Rich. You remember Strike It Rich? Strike It Rich, and then Queen for a Day. And right. But this one was about families who didn't have anything. Mm-hmm. And they got one, they won, and then they, they bring out on the stage all these gifts and I was one of the kids that was like showing off the gifts. Then I was on Beat the Clock and all these. And then all of a sudden I started my career. So to answer your question, there was no need at that point for any any union because there was no, the only thing that was forbade, there's no child under seven could be on television. That was a rule. And then I had to join. There was no union. So I was governed by, <laughs> you're going to love this. The ASPCA. Uh, it wasn't. It was the uh, Prevention of Animal and Cruelty to Animals and Children. <laughs> a, no, the Society for Prevention of Cruelty <laughs> to Animals and Children. Right. So today it's only the ASPCA, Association for Society for Prevention of Cruelty to Animals. But in those days, animals and children were together. It was a new. It was a new occurrence. So no, that was I. Uh, I then uh, started working in television, in live television, and at that point. The union came along, and then I became a first. My first, uh, what we call the parent company, was Actors Equity, 
By the way, it's very funny you say that because you were a child and your mother, your mother was a parent, but the parent company of the the right. group that became eventually the SAG and the and the unions, all that sort of thing. So are you a card carrying member? Have you ever been or now am a card carrying member of the any guild, any actors? Yeah, I'm, I'm, on, I'm on a pension from the Screen Actors Guild after equity and, uh, and equity, of course. Uh, do you have a low number like six? I don't know what I am now. But no, you don't know. Oh, they, I thought they might have given out cards in the early days and put a number on it. And- well, what what was really interesting is when I joined Equity and uh, the company before Screen Actors Guild. Remember, in New York, there was not a lot of film. It was all television and theater. Mm-hmm. And by uh, the way, live, everybody should know, live TV. It live. was not, wasn't even recorded. That's right. It was all live and done, done on 16 Miller meter kinescopes in in the camera, these big cameras. And then it was transmitted uh, later by delay to uh, the West Coast. But uh, what happened was um, I then started working in television. I became a member of ACTRA, which was the American uh, Association of Radio Artists. And then this thing along came along called television, and it became AFTRA, American Federation of television and radio artists, which then eventually merged with the Screen Actors Guild. So let's let's drop some names. So when I said Ed Sullivan, uh, people might never have heard of Edwin. Worked with Ed. Okay, James Uh, Mother, Sid Caesar. (laughs) Ernie Kovacs, one of the greatest. Right. Jimmy Durante, Danny Thomas. Uh, I mean, they go on and on. Okay, I just urge everybody, again, don't write these names. Berg, Molly Goldberg. Oh, okay, wait a minute. So it's only fun to mention two things. Number one, don't write any of this down, but when you listen to this again, you share, go look up the name, just do a search for some of these names because you're going to say, wait a minute, wow, that person was really popular. The reason I want to mention that you mentioned Molly Goldberg, I didn't even think until you mentioned it. So it happened to be this piece of data that I know. Uh, The most famous... Uh, comedy show, I think, in the past two decades or maybe more, I think was called Seinfeld. Is that correct? Correct. One of the most famous. So 40 years or more before that, the most famous show in America was the Molly Goldberg show. The Goldbergs. The Goldbergs. Right? It started in radio and then went to TV. Okay, and it ran for decades, but that was called the Molly Goldberg show, which is only fascinating because very Jewish, <laughs> Molly Goldberg, Seinfeld, very Jewish, but not I mean, just by the name. And apparently there is a very famous Netflix show right now called Miss Marples. Miss Mar- which, Marvelous Miss Marples. Marvelous Miss Marples, which takes place, I think, in the 40s or 50s. That's correct. But a Jewish family. Very close friend of mine, uh, Tony Shalhoub plays the father, uh, her father on the show. It's okay, great- but I'm just saying, look at this, this, this string of shows that uh, for the, the prehistoric, literally prehistoric <laughs> beginnings of television, which was called radio, and radio itself, by the way, was one of the most remarkable mediums in the world because it did what Michael just said. It enabled and allowed and encouraged people to use their imagination. 
And imagination, in my humble opinion, is the second greatest nation in the world. The greatest nation is is the United States. The second greatest nation is imagination. Because if you have imagination, then you're not limited to what you see on the screen. In other words, you're looking at Michael Mann, but he is a chameleon in the most positive sense because he has a rubber face, not rubber, but rubbery light, right? (laughs) Because he can do things. He was trained as an artist and as an artist to be able to project voice, change voice, sing, dance, we used to call them hoofers, and uh, not hookers, hoofers, and be able, <laughs> there were some of those two, yeah. it's showbiz, hello, second oldest profession in the world. And the third oldest, third oldest is acting, and the second oldest is the other, also acting. Uh, <laughs> but you hear, Michael is giving you insight into some of the great names, so just think about looking them up because they are prehistoric and historic and fascinating. So let's just move forward into another decade, let's say after television becomes television. And at some point it looked like it was going to replace radio and yet they coexist wonderfully today. By the way, just a a data point, only a data point. Radio is as popular today in terms of listenership throughout the world as it ever was in terms of numbers. I know that, Yeah, and by the way, television is a a bit ahead of it because the the visual of television in terms of especially commercials is far more impactful than radio. But radio in terms of information is more impactful than television. And what's the proof? The proof is these things called podcasts or or what we do is pod TV because this is both simultaneously video as well as audio. But People prefer listening than they do sometimes the visual because, again, you're limited. But when it comes to an advertiser, an advertiser prefers visual to audio. But everything everything is existing at the same time. And it's a broader audience because before it was just Michael speaking to 20, 30 million people. Now he's speaking to just on my show. He's speaking to hundreds of thousands, hopefully shared five times, maybe a million and a half. And there are a million podcasts and and it's growing exponentially. So let's go back, as I said, to (laughs) post-historic. Now, television is becoming a thing. You're still in New York. And tell us about some of the Broadway things that you were involved with. I was on Broadway in 1951. Uh, Betty Davis, the great actress, decided she wanted to come to New York and sing. (laughs) <laughs> I'm sorry. She sounded like a gravel in a in a foghorn. <laughs> she was the most famous actress in the world. And we did a musical review called Two's Company. And it was a review. Review meaning there was no book. There were different sketches and different songs. It wasn't like a straight play like Hello Dolly. It was a review. And every there was different sketches and different songs. So I got a chance to do, which I did on the Ed Sullivan show afterwards. Ed Sullivan. A, a sketch called The Child Actor Sketch with one of the greatest comedians in the world, a man named David Burns, who only people around my age or younger in the last 20 years who lived in New York would know who David Burns was. Um, just so I can give you all a little information, he starred with Carol Channing. And Hello, Dolly, he was the original Horace Vandegelder. He starred with Zero Mostel and Funny Thing Happened Away to the Forum. A brilliant, hysterical human being. And we did this sketch together, which we put in in Boston, and then I opened in New York. So I did that, 
And um, the choreographer on that show was Jerome Robbins, Jer the great <laughs> Jerome Robbins. And uh, there was a prima ballerina in it called Nora Kay, who was a prima ballerina, and they made a movie called uh, Turning Point about her. And uh, that was my first uh, Broadway show. Wait a minute. That was his first Broadway show. Just I got my equity card, and that's where equity became my first uh my parent company, and then I joined SAG and after after that. So here's the, the basic question. You sing, you dance, you tell jokes, and you strip. Uh, three out of four. <laughs> By the way, is there any kind of recording of that particular uh, show? I have, that it, you yeah, have I have it. I have it okay. on TV. Yeah. Okay. So March 11, 1953, we did it on the Ed Sullivan Show, and I have it on disc. Okay, so just for anybody, by the way, it's not anybody. There are tens of thousands of people in the audience who, I'm telling you, never heard of Ed Sullivan. But if you, you should just do a search because anybody who was anybody and everybody in the world, the goal was to be on the Ed Sullivan show. When the Beatles first came to America, yeah. their goal was Ed, Ed Sullivan. He, he debuted the Beatles and Elvis Presley. On and Elvis Presley, right. And by the way, you can just do a YouTube and you'll see it. It's, it's yeah. not just wonderful and historical and hysterical. It's absolutely, it, it's so uh, charmingly disarming and, and real. It was just a uh, pleasure. Everybody, everybody came through that show who was anybody. Right, but that's Michael Mann. So I want everybody to understand, Michael Mann is not just that he's a, an older dude who's been around in the show business a while. He, he did it. He, he's the great surfer riding the huge wave, the 30-foot monster wave, and that's who Michael is, sitting there in his great uh, tie and characteristic shirt with great cufflinks, sitting in his home in Georgia. He has a mint julep at his side and his wonderful bride, uh, which we'll be showing later. And Myra, and then and he'll be showing her off later. We're going to go to a commercial. We're married 23 weeks tomorrow, but who's counting? Yeah, who's counting? So, I don't know how I, I got her. She must have been drunk one night. but She, she was. <laughs> and we won't talk about it because you want to see the rest. of. And now for the rest of the story, we'll be right back after this brief message. Don't go away. There's more Michael and Myra and um, me coming back after this. Don't go away. Great stuff. Michael Mann, the star of the joy of living. Be right back. Thank you, Barry. Well, we, everybody, <laughs> what an amazing world we have with apps popping up all over the place that are just great for you. Imagine the, being able to not only listen to the joy of living and being able to send in a message and, and give me your input just by being on this amazing app called Stereo. Yeah, it's just like Stereo. Stereo. How amazing is that? So I want you to go and sign up for Stereo, Stereo.com, and uh, download the app and follow me, Barry Shore, the ambassador of joy, and listen to The Joy of Living. We're going to be broadcasting on Tuesdays at around 325 in the afternoon, uh, that specific time, and I'll have various co-hosts, but some of them just are really going to knock your socks off, and you'll be able to hear behind-the-scenes stuff. I mean, this is just such an amazingly good, wonderful, social, 
conversational app. Do it now. Stereo.com and follow the joy of living. You'll be so glad you did. See you soon. Actually, I won't see you. Speak to you soon. Hear from you soon. Make it a great one. Stereo.com. The joy of living. Bye now. Imagine the kind of place you would want to shop for your favorite fur baby pet. Honestpets.co. Well, you found it. Honestpets.co. Not .com, .co. This is your go-to spot for the best, the cleanest pet treats that exist anywhere on the planet. All of the brands go through a rigorous review to make sure they meet the high standards of cleanliness, health benefits, and naturalness. This site was started by a husband and wife team, and it's veteran-owned, and that care about pets, especially dogs and cats, and coming soon, bird treats. These are very nice young people who really care about making a difference because a portion of proceeds go to support veteran organizations with a focus on service dogs. This is the place where you want to go, you want to tell your friends, this has the finest, yummiest, freshest, all-natural treats and stuff for your fur baby. So go there, honestpets.co honestpets.co do it now aha good day beautiful bountiful beloved immortal beings and good looking people remember you're good looking because looking for and finding the good and we have good and abundance in a two-legged being named michael man and he is regaling us with prehistoric discussions of <laughs> prehistory what do you mean prehistory before tv there was radio and then after TV, it was Broadway for him. And now we're going to talk about film. So Michael did something wonderful, by the way. He went into the Navy for a couple of years. We won't discuss what he did in the Navy because it's actually quite secret. And there's been this, this, the file is sealed and such like that. But after he came out of the Navy, he uh, did some really great work, both in uh, California. And I wanted to just as a fun little piece, talk to us what it means to grow up in New York and be a baseball fan. <laughs> well, when I was growing up in New York, we had three teams. We had the Yankee Dodgers and the Giants. Matter of fact, I made a movie at Ebbets Field when I, in 1954 where I actually played ball, and we shot it at Ebbets Field. Uh, so I'm a, I've been a, a ball fan and a ball player all my life. So I can remember when it was Mantle, Willie, and Duke. You know, it was the three guys who were and. Uh, I've always been a Yankee fan. For a few days, I was a Giant fan, which is another story. And then I became <laughs> a Cardinal fan because my dad knew Enos Slaughter. So I hung out with the Cardinals. Woo, Enos Slaughter. Throwing a, a, a Spalding to me in the Henry Hudson Hotel. The Giants were staying there, so I became a Giant fan. But I'm, I've been a Yankee fan all my life. Okay, by the way, this just for the, for the record, data point, this is one of the few – uh, pieces as you see on the screen, we have a split screen because I am born and bred in Boston and uh, grew up in the shadow of Fenway Park. So the Yankees are another team in baseball, but they're, <laughs> it's not, they're not the Red Sox. But for Michael, <laughs> thank God. Thank God. <laughs> but for Michael, it's, it's so seemingly the opposite. But let's just talk about not only the um, that you you were a fan. I think you actually mentioned to me in passing a number of times that um, you actually knew Mickey Mantle more than just, oh, there's Mickey Mantle. 
I did. I knew Mickey after he retired. The, the year he retired, uh, we hung out through some friends. I, I owned a little bar at the time. And I was Mickey's guest at his last game of the Yankee in his box. And uh, one of the true gentlemen, I loved the man. And uh, he was a very, very kind man. And uh, I, I loved being around him. So uh, that was very joyful. On the on the football side. Yeah, let's so talk football. Because I'm a, I'm a New Yorker. I'm a Knicks fan. I'm a Giants fan. I'm like, you know, and, and, and the Jets and the Mets were like after. You know, they, <laughs> the 1969 World Series when the Mets beat the Orioles. I've been a you know I've been a New York fan all my life, but the Jets the the Giants didn't come along. Excuse me, the Mets didn't come along to '61. I was watching you know Mickey in '51, '52, '53. So what happened was after that, a friend of mine named Jeffrey Lyons, who's a film critic who used to work with Michael Medved. Absolutely, Michael's been on this show as is Diane, and we right. have a regular monthly webinar on marriage with Dr. Diane Medved. Yes. But Michael, at that point, was a film critic only, and he and Jeff Lyons did a show on uh, PBS. And Jeff was an old friend of mine. Jeff's dad, his late dad, was a gentleman named Leonard Lyons, who was a very big, big columnist, uh, social uh, New York columnist. Right. He and Leonard Lyons, and excuse me, and uh, Earl Wilson were the guys around town. So I got to meet Jeffrey, and Jeffrey, uh, I think wanted two things in his life. One, he wanted to be the commissioner of baseball, and the other is he wanted to kick field goals. So he and we became buddies. We played ball together in the Broadway Show League. And he said, come on, I'm going to take you up to Fairfield, Connecticut, because um, my friends, I want to the Giants. You come up and meet the Giants. This is 1964, 65. So we schlep up to Fairfield, Connecticut, and we're hanging out on the sidelines because his dad knew all the guys. And then everybody would practice would be over, and Jeff would run out in the middle of the field, start kicking field goals. <laughs> so at that point, I had a little bar. I, I, I kind of segued away out of the show business, fell into the into the bar business in New York. But wait, just so, just so everybody should know, Michael did pass the bar, and he did it completely standing up and sober. But the bar that he passed was <laughs> the bar that he owned. But that's uh, correct. I never passed a bar I didn't like. So, <laughs> basically, all the Giants then, I was running some discotheques, which was a whole new era, and all the Giants would come, uh, and I, they would be my following. Wherever I went, they would come. So I became very friendly with the New York Giants. Okay, right? I want to, well, I'm looking up, I'm looking down at the moment, but I'm looking up. When the Super Bowl was of the Giants versus Denver, yeah, I took you, didn't I? Right, but that's what I want to discuss with people. I want to tell them a great story. And 80, that, 80, that 87, I believe. Well, let's take a look. Oh, wow, it's interesting. Okay, that was um, 1987, January 25th. No, so let me, my oldest son was three. Yeah, let me tell everybody something. So today is February 8th, as Michael mentioned. February 8th, and the year is 2021. Usually we don't do this, but this is going to be archived for decades. People will be looking at it. They'll hopefully look at it a century from now. And they'll say, wait a minute, this, what an interesting Interesting guy. Not you, sure, but my man. But let me just say a, a fun, a, another wonderful data point. So yesterday, February 7th, 2021, was the 55th playing of the Super Bowl. Correct. And uh, for anybody who is, I don't know where you were yesterday, but uh, certainly if you're alive in the world, you know now that a, uh, a great team called the 
Tampa Buccaneers, who never heard of them before, but anyway, but they became great because they were led by an amazing being, a two-legged being. His name is Tom Brady. And Tom Brady didn't just make history yesterday. He made history for every male in the world who was between the ages of 35 and 49, because he's 43 years old, plays professional sports. I don't care what sport you play, but if you're 43, you're playing professional sports, you're something. But playing the NFL, professional sports, as a quarterback. And the quarterback and leading the team to Super Bowl victory. It happened to be that the, the score yesterday was 31 to 9. It was a trouncing. Every time the other team got a field goal, the good guys, I call Tom Brady, the good guys got a, a touchdown and more. But the reason I mention it is because it was a great game. It was a, a remarkable uh, athletic experience. But Michael did something for myself actually for his father and for our, one of our clearest friends who's now departed, Fred King. And he said, hey, guys, uh, let's go to the Super Bowl together because my friend is going to get us tickets on the 50-yard line. Now, I just want to put it in perspective, and this maybe the first time I've ever told this to Michael, but I'm telling it to the world. When somebody says that to you, you say, oh, yeah, sure. Hello. <laughs> you know, it's the Super Bowl, 50-yard line. Hey, if you got tickets to the Super Bowl in the end zone in those days, what's the difference, right? Yep. But guess what? A limousine pulls up on January 25th, 1987. The, the Super Bowl was being played in the Rose Bowl in Pasadena, California. And Michael and I live, and Fred lived around the corner in a place called Venice, California, Venice Beach. Uh, so the limousine shows up, and we pile in. Michael's father, Fred, myself, and may have been one other person. I'm not Noah, sure. Noah, my three-year-old son. I think Noah. Noah came. Who's now, oh, yeah, now, yeah. Noah was 30. Something, five, seven. He, uh, he was born in 84. He was three. Right. Okay, so, and we go, we, we use the limousine to go to the Rose Bowl and get the ticket, and we're sitting on the 50-yard line. There thousand people there. And we, we watched this great game. The Giants beat the Broncos 39 to 20. So the 39 is woo-woo-woo reminiscent. And uh, that was 13, 40, 13, and 21. 13 and 20, it's 34 years previous. That's prehistoric for most people watching this. <laughs> None of, most of you weren't born then. But I'm just like, Michael did it. He not only said, oh, good, we're going to go to the Super Bowl and sit on the 50-yard line and watch a great game, he pulled it off. So when he says he knows people, we're not just dropping names to say, oh, gee, I got their autograph one day. I mean, this is real life. So let's... Fast forward because time is is going too fast. Give you a real quick one about really pulling one off. About who? About really pulling one off. About pulling that off. Well, yes. We had some Israeli kids coming by, and they had come from Israel because they wanted to see Michael Jordan's last game as a bull in Chicago. And we're sitting at the Shabbos table, and I said, "Well, I can do that." And they said, "No, no, no, no. no. There's no way you yeah, can it's not possible." That little stadium for Michael Jordan's last game. And I said, "Well, you know, you go up on, you know, they're going up to Northern California." I said, "You call me in about two weeks, and uh, I'll take care of it." So I was representing a very wonderful person at the time, whose father was very, very connected in in Chicago politics. And I called Murphy, and I said, "Murph, I need two tickets." And he said, "No problem." And I said, "Really?" Now I couldn't reach the guys. They never called me back because before cell phones, right? So I gave the ticket to uh, my then wife's sister, Susan, and she went 
to see Michael Jordan and with her boyfriend for the last game is, is a bull. Okay, but I want, I want to make a point of something. Notice when Michael said he called up a person, and that person was very connected in, he didn't say basketball, he didn't say in the sports world, he didn't say in the media, he said Chicago politics. Chicago politics was, <laughs> it, it's, it's unique in the world. I think the last time Chicago politics had anything to do with the world was back in the days of the Roman Republic and before the <laughs> Roman Empire. Because Chicago politics is of a piece with Chicago. They're one and the same. The fabric, uh, it probably got its start in New York with Tammany Hall. But yeah. the, the political machines that exist in the United States are unlike any, almost any other place in the world because there is graft and corruption. There's no question. But it's all done with a sort of a belly laugh and a wink and a nod. But let's take hey, Michael pulled it off. <laughs> so let's go fast forward a little bit and talk about coming to California because you're a New York guy. Why did you come to California? And who did you do business with in California in addition to people like Luke Austin and Elliot Gould? Okay. I decided uh, a very one of my best friends since I've known him for four years old is an actor named Christopher Walken. We grew up together. He was best man at my first wedding. And uh, he was just becoming famous. As a, a Broadway star, and his agents wanted him to go to California to check out the movie world, if you can believe it. So I said, "Come on, let's go." And I said, "I'm going to call all the people I know: Gene Stapleton and and Howard Zeke, people I'd worked with younger, Paul Bogart." And I said, um, uh, "Let's go." And he said, "Okay." And I put it all together, and he decided not to go. So I came out in 1972 and went around and uh, met some people and then did a play down there in 1972 uh, that my friend Jim Burroughs, who created Cheers and Will and & Grace, directed. Um, and then I went back to New York, and in 1975, after seeing the most important piece in my life uh, for me was uh, The Chorus Line, written by my dear late friend Marvin Hamlish. I saw that and said, I have to get out of the saloon business and go back to show business where I've been all my life. So I drove across country, arrived in, in Los Angeles, October 16th, 1975. And three weeks later, Paul Bogart, may he rest in peace, called me who I'd worked for as a kid and gave me my first of six all in the families. All in the family. Uh, by the way, I'm, I'm so sorry to say this, but we have just a few minutes before we wrap it up. So I'm going to ask you, will you come back again? Immediately, if not sooner. <laughs> okay. Anybody who asks, <laughs> All in the Family, you, you must do a search and just start watching the YouTubes of All in the Family. Because well, I, did, I did six, Barry. I gotta, let, me, let me clarify. The first one was Billy Crystal's first episode on television. Uh, I married him on New Year's Eve. I was a minister. Yeah, when Michael says he married him, we're, we're not, we're not going to go into his. Uh, I'm gay, but, but we're not going to discuss that. But Michael was the rabbinic figure or the priest or the, the officiating. Sorry? They got him out of the yellow pages. I came in and married Billy. That was my first one on New Year's Eve. A okay, year we, can't, we can't go in more at the moment. We're going to leave him as a cliffhanger. A cliffhanger. Okay. Oh, look at All in the Family. There's six of those. And there's many, many more that we'll discuss. We'll drop names all over the place because it's all true and wonderful. But we're going to do something. I'm going to ask you right now in front of 348,000 people. No, I can't even do it right now. There's only three minutes left. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give you a hug. 
in front of 348,922 people around the world. And I'll tell you what HUG stands for. You ready? Yep. Harmonizing Unlimited Giving. I love it, Barry. Are you ready? I love it. One, two, three. God bless, Barry. I love you. This is Michael Mann, one of the great people from prehistoric and historic <laughs> television and radio and Broadway and film. And again, you're listening to The Joy of Living with your humble host, Barry Shaw. Go to www, remember what that stands for, What a Wonderful World, barryshaw.com and listen again because it's wonderful and start looking at all these different people and places and things. And share this with at least five people so that a million and a half people around the world will enjoy the, the benefit of the essence called Michael Mann. And remember the three fundamentals of life. Number one, life. Your life has purpose. When you lead a purpose-driven life, you can go mad. In this case, mad is wonderful. It means go make a difference like Michael has done. And the third fundamental is uncover the power and the secrets of everyday words and terms like www, smile, seeing miracles in life every day. As my eight-year-old niece says, seeing miracles in everyday life. Create the kind of world you want to live in, causing rethinking, enabling all to excel. Use four-letter words. Live, life, grow, hope, play, pray, free, gift. And tell everybody, F you. Tell the world, F you. <laughs> capital N, capital N. Michael, when was the last time anybody said F you to you and you laughed? So this is right. This is fun. That's the beauty of it. And use the two most powerful words in the English language. Thank you. Use it at least three times in the course of a day, consciously and conscientiously. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks stands for to harmonize and network kindness. Everyone, everyone you meet is fighting a battle you know nothing about. Therefore, be kind, always kind. Keep inspiring noble deeds. It also stands for connect in nature daily. Do this for you. Do this for the world. We need you to be the best you possible. That's why you tune into the joy of living, because you know by utilizing the information that Michael shared with us today, by having a laugh in your belly and a smile on your face, you will make the world a better place. And we need that you'll be healthier and wealthier for doing it. And I'm going to leave you with a blessing, our blessing from Michael, Myra, and myself. Go forth. Live exuberantly. Spread the seeds of joy, happiness, peace, and love. Go mad. Go make a difference. Thank you, Barry. was such a wonderful show. I'm sure you appreciate it as well. So let's talk again about Stereo, S-T-E-R-E-O. Go get the Stereo app and follow me 
Barry Shore at The Joy of Living, because we're going to do some things on stereo that we don't do here on the podcast. And you're going to learn some inside secrets about uncovering the power and the secrets of everyday words and terms. How about this? what hug really means. So come and join us on Stereo. Get the app, follow Barry Shore, and his handle is The Joy of Living, because we're going to do things that are rocking and rolling the world. This is an amazingly powerful, wonderful, beautiful, and bountiful app. Do it. Do it now while it's still fresh. Look forward to you joining in the conversation. Best wishes. Bye.